welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Lauren. <laughs> How are things? Good. How we, are you? How are things with you? Because apparently you're getting married this weekend. I am getting married this weekend. What a thing. Weird. Are you stressed out yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not any more stressed out than the last 15 times people have asked me. Um, uh, you know what Ooh, is... Also, get ready for people to say, how's married life? Oh, Jesus. So come up with some good zingers for that. No, you know what? Um, I have noticed weird things that are happening to my brain. Like, I have already, like, accepted, like, this is my husband. This is my husband. My husband, Steve. Like, I'm comfortable with that. Uh-huh. But the other day, Steve was like, well, you know... He was talking to some about something and he was like, well, you know, my wife. And I was like, who's that? And then my brain was like, <laughs> my brain immediately was like, reject. <laughs> I was like, I am nobody's wife. Like I suddenly. <laughs> like I, so that's something I got to your husband, but, but you are not his <clears throat> wife. <clears throat> I didn't sign up for this shit. No. Um, so that's something I need to work through. <laughs> But other than that, I'm feeling cool as a cute, good. my friend. Great. Yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> I can't wait. So, uh, Jewel, how's married life? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I hate that question. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well. So, yeah. Like you mentioned last episode, um, we got a nice, great list of suggested topics from our friend Kathleen. Yes, Kathleen and we great. both kind of just like jumped on some of them. Yes. So I claimed one of those immediately for my own. You sure did. Uh, so that jumped the line above some of my other pending topics. But oh, good. Um, I decided I was going to do this this week. This week, you're going to Lego my Lego. Everything is All right, we're going over the history of Lego. Okay. Some important facts. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all going to have a little fun here. Oh, I'm excited to have Great. some fun and learn. Great. Yeah. So let's start at the very beginning. Okay. Ole Kirk Christensen was born in Filskoff, South Jutland, Denmark. Wow. The 10th son of a poor family. He trained as a carpenter and established his own business in the village of Billund, Denmark, in 1932. Among the products he made were step ladders, ironing boards, and wooden toys, which would become his specialty. Toys, especially wooden blocks, were, in fact, the business's most successful product, as was a wooden duck toy, <gasps> which you can still find today as like a rare item, like this Lego wooden oh, duck. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. In 1934, the company adapted the name Lego from the Danish words leggot or play well. And later the company discovered that in Latin, that phrase means I put together, which is very apt. What a lovely coincidence. Yes. So Ole Kirk came up with the motto, det beste ur ikke for gott, or only the best is good enough. And his teenage son, Gottfred Kirk Christensen, joined the company in the mid-1930s. Um, Gottfred was planning to head to Germany to study, uh, but since World War II, you know, happened, and sure. uh, Denmark was occupied by the Germans, Gottfred instead stayed at his father company and became the manager there at Lego. So, 1942, Christensen's factory burnt down. Oh, no. This is sad. But he rebuilt soon after and picked up where he left off. Great. Um, This time, however, his business was dedicated strictly to toys. So, the company became the first in Denmark to buy a plastic injection molding machine for toy production. 
Very exciting. By 1949, it was producing some 200 different wooden and plastic toys. Um, Lego's automatic binding bricks, however, were made of wood at the time, and they were available only in Denmark, but that was a very popular toy that they had. They were very popular, and they really took off once Christensen began making them out of brightly colored plastic. Oh, sure, of course. So Christensen's son, Gottfried, who had been working alongside his father, was named junior vice president in the company in 1950. Uh, Gottfried came up with the idea of developing Lego blocks into a total system of play. Uh, By 1953, Lego started marketing complete plastic block sets. And in 1954, they obtained a trademark for the product, which they renamed Lego Merston or Lego Bricks. Uh, Gottfried saw the immense potential in Lego bricks to become a system for creative play, but the bricks still had some problems from a technical standpoint. Their locking ability was limited and they were not yet quite as versatile as you see in the modern ones. Um, In 1958, the modern brick design was developed and it took five years to find the right material for it. Um, It's called ABS, which stands for Acrylon Nitrile (laughs) Butyl. Nope, we were leaving this in. Acrylon nitrile butadiene styrene. Wow. And that's a polymer. <laughs> you could have just We're said a say polymer. ABS. You could have just said um, ABS, a polymer. But no, you know what? I appreciate your dedication mm-hmm, to trying mm-hmm. to say got that got technical it. word. Yep. Oh, I'm going to say some really long words later. Ooh, I'm so wait. glad. Um, so the modern Lego brick design was patented um, in January 1958. And that year, um, the founder, Ole actually died, but his son Gottfried immediately took over the Lego helm. The company officially launched the Lego system of play in the 1950s, comprising 28 different sets and eight toy vehicles. Uh, Legos continued to gain popularity with more themed toy sets and building block variations added all the time. In 1960, production of wooden toys by Lego was discontinued entirely, and so they're doing just plastic after that point. The first Lego sets were sold in the U.S. in 1961 via a license agreement with Samsonite, you know, the luggage company. Um, And this agreement ran until 1972. So at the Strong Museum play where I work. Um, We have the big trade catalog collection, which are the types of um, publications that the toy companies would make and send to toy store owners and department store owners so they could see like what toys were being produced for that year and they could order them. Mm -hmm. So our first like examples of Lego bricks are actually Samsonite catalogs and Tara likes to point those out to people. Shout out to Tara. Shout out to Tara. That's cool. Yeah. I had no idea. So, um, Godfrey had a list of 10 production characteristics that he presented to the company in 1963. These are what he wanted all his products to to, you know, the ethos of the of the company. Okay. They included unlimited play potential, be for both girls and boys, be fun for every age, um, able to be played year round, mm-hmm. uh, including with long hours of play. He wanted them to develop imagination and creativity and have quality in every detail. Oh. All of those are very wonderful you know, ideas. Can, can I also say how Scandinavian this is, just top <laughs> to bottom. It just reeks of like dried fish. It's just so <laughs> austere. Yeah, it's and austere, like, but well designed. But, but they want the, they want people to be creative. Yeah, and very liberal minded, mm-hmm. very education minded. I am into it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> By 1966, offerings included bricks that could form all sorts of buildings, vehicles, and backdrops. A larger version of the blocks called Duplo, which was a range of simple blocks whose lengths are actually, um, they're twice the width, height, and depth of the standard Lego blocks. Um, Duplo was added in 1969 and designed for younger children and toddlers. And you might picture them today there. Their logo is like a little bunny rabbit Mm -hmm. head. 
So each Lego piece must be manufactured to an exacting degree of precision. When two pieces are engaged, they must fit firmly, yet be easily disassembled. The machines that manufacture Lego bricks have tolerances as small as 10 micrometers, and that is about the thickness of like a sheet of plastic wrap. Oh, wow. 10 micrometers. Um, Lego pieces of all varieties constitute a universal system. So if you look inside any Lego brick, you should see a tiny three-digit number stamped into the interior wall. And this number corresponds to which mold was used and where in the line the brick was located. So if there's any kind of defect, Lego can trace the errant piece directly directly to its origin and resolve the issue. Wow. Um, and the interlocking principle with the tubes of the of the yeah. blocks, you might not think about them because it's the underside, but the tubes there make it unique and offer unlimited building opportunities and oh possibilities. Um, despite variation in the design and purposes of individual pieces over the years, each piece remains compatible in some way with existing pieces. So Lego bricks from 1958 still interlock with those made today. Oh my gosh. And Lego sets for young children are compatible with those made for teenagers, etc. Sure. So um, six bricks of two by four studs. So if you can picture, so that's the yeah. one that has like the eight dots on it. So two rows of four, Mm -hmm. six bricks of two by four studs can be combined in 915,103,765 ways. What? So six bricks, there's over 915 million different ways to combine them. Oh my God. That's insane. That's crazy. So it's come almost like, you know, you, you may never ever build the same thing twice. Exactly. If you're just like free form building and you're not following like a specific sets instructions or anything. That's crazy. Yeah. So Ole's grandson, uh, Kjeld Kirk Christensen, later became CEO of the company in 1979 and maintained that position until October 2004 when he was replaced by the company's first non-family chief executive named Jorgen Vignodstrup. Uh, Lego has been a pioneer in using its products to advance research and learning and play. Initiatives include the Lego Learning Institute, the Lego Educational Division, collaboration with MIT's Media Lab, and Lego Serious Play, a product designed to help business owners to develop innovative strategies and solutions. Um, As of 2017, the company's CEO is Niels B. Christensen, who um, is apparently no relation to the original founders because, you know, all those Scandinavian last names are Mm -hmm. very similar. Since 1963, Lego pieces have been manufactured from the strong, resilient plastic known as ABS. And as of September 2008, Lego engineers use a special software suite to model the elements. The software allows the parts to be optimized by way of mold flow and stress analysis. And prototype molds are sometimes built before the design is committed to mass production. The ABS plastic is heated to 232 degrees Celsius. That's uh, 450 degrees Fahrenheit until it reaches a dough-like consistency. It's then injected into the molds at pressures between 25 and 150 tons and it takes approximately 15 seconds to cool human 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 inspectors (laughs) human inspectors they check the output of the molds to eliminate significant variations in color or thickness and according to the lego group about 18 bricks out of every million fail to meet the standard required lego factories recycle all but about one percent of their plastic waste from the manufacturing process and if the plastic cannot be reused in lego bricks it is processed and sold on to industries that can make use of it. Lego has a self-imposed 2030 deadline to find a more eco-friendly alternative to the ABS plastic it currently uses in its bricks. Oh, wow. And also, the Lego group estimates that in five decades, it has produced 400 billion Lego blocks. Oh my gosh, that's so many Lego blocks. That's so many many feet. So many feet being destroyed. Exactly. (laughs) Um, 
under the subcategory that I have here, Lego sets and minifigs. Oh, yes, the minifig. Mm -hmm. Since the 1950s, the Lego group has released thousands of sets with a variety of themes, including space, robots, pirates, trains, Vikings, castles, dinosaurs, undersea exploration, and the wild, wild west. I had had the pirate ship. Oh, man, it was so great. Over the years, Lego has licensed themes from numerous cartoon and film franchises and even from video games. These include Batman, Indiana Jones, Pirates of the Caribbean, Harry Potter, Star Wars, and Minecraft. Although some of the licensed themes, um, Lego Star Wars and Lego Indiana Jones had highly successful sales, Lego has expressed a desire to rely more upon their own characters and classic themes and less upon licensed themes related to movies. Well, they did have the Lego movie. Yeah, we'll get there, too. Okay. I was going to say, and then they had the Lego Batman movie, uh-huh. so maybe you guys need to get on that a little bit better. I'm just saying. One of the largest Lego sets commercially produced was a minifig scaled edition of the Star Wars Millennium Falcon. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, designed by Jans Kronfeld Fredriksen. It was released in 2007 and contained 5,195 pieces. It was surpassed by a 5,922-piece Taj Mahal, but... Have no fear. A redesigned Millennium Falcon recently retook the top spot in 2017 with 7,541 oh pieces. Can you imagine, like, you're looking for that, those last, like, yeah. four bricks and no. you just... And it's under the couch and you're like, <laughs> come on! <laughs> I will say, I almost bought that Millennium Falcon. Wow. Yeah, I almost Were bought you it. rich? No, uh, that's why I didn't buy it. <laughs> uh, I dated a guy who was a Lego fanatic and the easiest Christmas and birthday gifts I could get for him were like sets like yeah. that. And he was also a Star Wars fanatic. So I know I make great choices. Um, now you're wearing a Star Trek fanatic. Now I'm wearing a Star Trek fanatic, which is much more, cool. I mean, very cool. Um, but he, I just, I can't, I'm sorry. I can't get into the Legos. It, I think I have the same part of my brain that is missing the like board game uh-huh. love is the same part of my brain that cannot get into building oh. stuff. Like, Did you not play with them when you were little? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, I was a Legos and Ninja Turtles Oh, girl okay. There you go. Growing up. Yeah. So, yeah, you were right there. This, you were at the heyday of mine. 80s and this 90s. This is my toys. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Lego Group produced the first modern day minifigure in 1978. And when Lego introduced the minifig, it was a boxy, faceless entity meant to accept whatever roleplay fantasy a builder might want to project. So while the figures later garnered faces and gender roles, they have almost always remained yellow. According to Lego, that's because the company felt it was the most racially neutral color possible. Okay. Um, after Lego branched out into licensing, it began to see its first diverse entries with actually with NBA players as the oh, minifigs. Oh was there like foray into like <laughs> into changing? Like different skin, skin colors yeah. yeah so currently lego assigns skin tone only if a set is based on an existing property or a person that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah i have to talk about ego leonard ego leonard ego leonard is this one word or two ego space leonard okay is this a person this is a dutch painter and sculptor and an anonymous gorilla artist whose works prominently feature outsized Lego figures. The sculptures are in the form of Lego minifigures, but are scaled to about two and a half meters high, constructed from fiberglass, and they all have the same message written in capital letters on their torsos. The first oversized minifigure attributed to Ego Leonard was retrieved from the sea off Zandvoort, Netherlands in 2002. It had a yellow head and a blue torso, and it was suggested at the time that no real than you are might become a meme similar to all your base are belong to us or that a word was missing 
from the message on the torso and that it should actually read no more real than you are. And a second giant Lego figure was found off of Brighton Beach, United Kingdom in October 2008. The green, yellow, and red sculpture again bore the words no real than you are on its torso. Wait, no real than you are. You are. You as in like the letter U are um, or you are. No real than Y-O-U space A-R-E. Okay. Okay. Another similar Lego figure appeared in the sea off Siesta Key Beach, Florida, United States in October 2011. The sculpture is about six feet tall and it weighs about 110 pounds. Its head and arms were yellow with a red torso and green legs. And it had the message, no real than you are, in capital letters on its front and Ego Leonard and the number eight on its back. Reporters from the local newspaper, the Sarasota Herald Tribune, sent an email to Leonard... And they sure. received a reply. It purported to be from the sculpture and stated that it had been a hell of a swim, but that it was enjoying the weather and friendly people and was going to stay here for a while. Um, since 2012, three more of these sculptures have been discovered after washing up on shore. In um, 2012, in Topanga, Los Angeles, 2014, in Yugaihama Beach, Ka- Kamakura, Japan, and in 2015, um, at Linz, Austria, along the Danube River. So... What? Nobody knows that this is the guy's real name. Oh, it's okay. like his like art name. Ego Leonard is so if I don't know. It's an it's, anagram. It for feels something, like maybe? an anagram. It yeah. feels like, you know, Lego is somewhere in there. Um, but it's but it's interesting. And if you've seen pictures of these like weird six foot tall Lego oh God, so sculptures that just appear. suddenly appear. They seem like they could skew very creep factor Uh like i'm here to get you kind of thing but it seems like it has a whimsical quality to it from the email like i swam here yeah it's just like the message is is kind of odd and people don't know if like maybe it's an english thing yeah maybe did he like spell something wrong is it was it supposed to be a meme was it yeah yeah. huh what a Hmm. thing um there's also those lego theme parks Oh, yeah. So Lego has opened a series of theme parks based on the Lego toying concept. The first was in Billund, Denmark, in 1968. Today, there are seven. The original in Billund. The second is in Windsor, England. The third in Gunzburg, Germany. The fourth in Carlsbad, California. The fifth in Winter Haven, Florida, which is the largest. The sixth in Nusa Yaya, Malaysia. And the seventh in Dubai, United Arab Emirates. I didn't know there were so many. Yeah, there's seven. And they went back so long ago, like Mm -hmm. 1968. That's... That really early, early in the Lego yeah. thing. Basically. Yeah. Billund, Denmark, basically the whole economy is Lego. Like yeah. <laughs> based on Lego, like Hershey, yeah. Pennsylvania. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, there are about fifty master model builders who spend their days designing and construction miniature worlds and giant sculptures for Legoland and specialty installations. A big part of the job is gluing all of the Lego models together to make sure they're safe um, so that kids can climb on them and oh, sure. you know hang out with them, interact with them. The average outdoor Lego model, if it's in the sun, has a lifespan of about 10 to 15 years. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty good, good for a plastic polymer in the sun glued together. Mm-hmm. That's pretty but good. But they got to keep oh, yeah. churning out these things all the time. Huh. Um, in popular culture, artists have used Lego to create artwork, which is sometimes referred to as Lego art or brick art. Only six people have become Lego certified professionals. They are certified artists that use Lego bricks as their medium. They are officially recognized by the Lego group and they have the ability to not only use the Lego name, but also the copyrighted logo. There's only six people in the whole world that are oh have this gosh. title. Um, 
some other pop culture stuff. In okay. 2001, Brendan Powell Smith started an online web project to create an illustrated version of the Bible using Lego bricks called the Brick Testament. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> the project has grown to cover over 400 stories with over 4,000 images, each of which is a photograph of a hand-built Lego scene. Wow. The web project drew international media attention and has been published as three hardcover books. That's adorable. There are a number of short movies or recreations of feature films that have been made using Lego bricks, mm-hmm. either using stop-motion animation or CGI. Um, one example includes the award-winning music video for the song Fell in Love with a Girl by the White Stripes, in All which right. director Michel Gondry filmed a live version of the video, digitized the result, and then recreated it entirely with Lego bricks. I forgot about that video. Yeah. That was very hard on the eyes, <laughs> if I remember correctly. <laughs> I do remember watching it on my history teacher, Mr. Hughes's uh, computer during like one of the breaks because oh. he really liked me. Mm-hmm. So during one of my le- like, you know, free periods, I remember watching it and being like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> High school. And as you mentioned, there are the Lego movies. Um, the films that were released in theater include the Lego movie in 2014, the Lego Batman movie in 2017. Also, the same year, we had the Lego Ninjago movie in 2017. And films that are to be released in the year 2019 include the Lego movie sequel and the Billion Brick Race. Oh, I got to get on watching those. I hear they're so charming. The Lego movie was very cute. Yeah. I mean, you know, I got to get on a lot of movies, but maybe I'll start with the Lego movie. (laughs) Yeah. Start there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Some other Lego facts. Lego joined the Strong's National Toy Hall of Fame as part of the original class in 1998. Perfect. The fandom wikia for Lego is called Brickopedia. No. It's perfect. I'm sure my it's ex perfect. is on there. I'm sure he's editing articles and oh my <laughs> as gosh. As we speak. Help me. Lego branched out into the video game market in 1997 by founding Lego Media International Limited, and Lego Island was released that year. Lego soon released titles like Lego Creator and Lego Racers. After closing down their own publishing subsidiary, they moved on to a partnership with Traveler's Tales and went on to make games like Lego Star Wars, Lego Indiana Jones, Lego Batman, and many others. In May 2011, Space Shuttle Endeavor's mission STS-134 brought 13 LEGO kits to the International Space Station, where astronauts built models to see how they would react in microgravity as part of the LEGO Bricks in Space program. Oh my god, Bricks that's so cute. Bricks in Space! Bricks in Space! Um, also in 2011, graffiti and street artist Martin Huwald repainted a bridge in the style of LEGO Bricks, receiving national and international media attention for his work. The LEGO Broca, or... Lego Bridge is a concrete beam bridge crossing over the Schwesterstrasse in North Rhine, Westphalian city of Wuppertal, Germany. Why does it hurt so bad to step on a Lego brick? Yeah. It's because you don't weigh enough to break it. So in December 2012, the BBC's more or less radio program asked the Open University's engineering department to determine how many Lego bricks stacked on top of one another would it take for the weight to destroy the bottom brick. Using a hydraulic testing machine, the engineering department determined that the average maximum force a 2 by 2 Lego brick can stand is 4,240 newtons. Since an average 2 by 2 Lego brick has a mass of 1.152 grams, according to their calculations, it would take a stack of 375,000 bricks to cause the bottom brick to collapse. That's a stack about 3,591 meters or 11,781 feet in height. Oh my gosh. So it needs a lot of pressure and a lot of weight in order to actually break the brick. And so since you're just stepping on sharp edges with your soft foot that doesn't weigh enough, (laughs) you're you're just going to injure yourself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
In 2012, Lego announced that they became the world's largest tire manufacturer. What? They produce about 318 million per year. That's over 870,000 each day because nearly half of all Lego sets included a wheel of some oh, sort. Oh, yeah, of course. They received a Guinness World Record so for the funny. largest tire manufacturer per annum. And the first Lego wheel was included in set number 400, which launched in 1962. In May 2013, the largest model ever created was displayed in New York City and made of over 5 million bricks, a one-to-one scale model of an X-Wing fighter. Um, Other records include a 112-foot tower and a four-kilometer railway. That's about two and a half miles long. Oh my gosh. And as you're probably familiar, adult Lego builders are among the company's most loyal customers, clearing out expensive building sets and buying bricks in bulk for elaborate custom jobs. Known as AFOLs. A-F-O-L-S. That's adult fans of Lego. (laughs) The demographic wasn't always embraced by management. After retailers criticized Lego for not paying attention to their market, the company responded by calling adults who played with their product weird and a bit (gasps) bizarre, dismissing the wacky idea of listening to their needs. Since then, corporate has changed its tune. Lego and its adult fandom engage each other regularly now. Lego's social media presence allows for members of the Lego community to come up with ideas for assemblies. And using existing bricks, petitioners can illustrate their plans. If it gets 10,000 votes, it'll go to Lego proper where someone will sit down and figure out the cost of the sets manufacturing oh that's so that's how we're getting like a golden girls lego set is like someone like drew this up and they made the petition and all these people signed it and then went through to to all the appropriate channels i mean i would build a golden girls lego set hell yeah exactly prominently display it on my mantle you'll be in a fall sooner or later lauren a fall i mean i mm, it's kind of too late but um yeah i can't believe like the the adults are the ones with the money (laughs) (laughs) To buy that uh-huh. $450 yep. Millennium yep. Falcon, you know? Yeah. You better respect those A-Falls. Jeez. Okay. So, at this point, I'm going to shift gears completely. Oh, wow. Okay. And talk about some linguistics. Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> because <laughs> this is one of my favorite trivia tidbits, and I never get to talk about it. And if I tried to do a whole episode on it, everybody would fall asleep immediately. Okay. 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 <laughs> Ready? <laughs> oh, my God. She's so excited. Okay. The Hapax Legomenon. Oh my God. What? Hapax Legomenon. Okay. That's H-A-P-A-X-L-E-G-O-M-E-N-O-N. Okay. Hapax Legomenon. <laughs> it's a word that occurs only once in a text and authors over or language's entire written record. Okay. okay. So in all of documentation everywhere, if this word only appears once, uh-huh. either in the whole language or once within a, an author's over, it is called a hapax legomenon. Okay, so so what you're saying is this word defines a a word or a, an instance when it is a, a dis- yeah it is a description of a word that only occurs once in all in all context everything written okay. everywhere all right hapax legomenon <laughs> okay so one of the most famous shakespearean hapaxes they they abbreviate it hapax okay, because if the i cool. had to say that all the time it would be insane mm-hmm. one of the most famous shakespearean hapaxes is honorific abilitudinitatibus <gasps> that's so good meaning able to achieve honors um, this word appears only in Act 5, Scene 1 of Love's Labor's Lost and is the dative form of a medieval Latin word. Um, the dative form means the noun to which something is given. Okay. Okay. Honorific abilitude in a tatibus. So later on in English literature, authors like James Joyce and Charles mm-hmm. Dickens incorporated it into their works as well. Um, 
In Dickens's short story, A Christmas Tree, he uses the word sassagacity, <gasps> perhaps meaning audacity, though we don't know because it's only, only been recorded used once. once. Mm-hmm. Sassagacity. Oh um, and Lewis Carroll's Jabberwocky contains multiple words that appear yes. only once in English. Um, in a similar vein, James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake contains several on each page. Jeez. But it is estimated that there are thousands of haypaxes in the Bible. So people oh. are mostly don't think it was just necessarily like a, a translation error somewhere that it's it's just like this is a word that they had this they wrote it down and now we aren't totally sure what it means <laughs> because it only appears once and yeah. we can't add any context clues oh my gosh but, yes wow that's fascinating so a linguistic phenomenon similar to the hapaxes is called a nonce word n-o-n-c-e i have heard of this yeah so yeah. it's basically an invented word by the author mm-hmm. um shakespeare is famous for his frequent usage of such terms so for example in the taming of the shrew the main character katharina describes herself as being bedazzled by the sun yes um so shakespeare actually invented that word for the scene but it has now entered our modern vernacular yeah um some nonce words may acquire a fixed meaning inferred from context and use um perhaps even becoming an established part of the language at which point they stop being a nonce word um while others are essentially meaningless and disposable and are useful for exactly that reason so again the poem jabberwocky is full of nonce words with one in particular chortle Yes. Growing into a word in common use. Yes. And uh, again, Joyce's novel Finnegan's Wake used the word cork as a nonce word, but physicist Murray Gell-Mann adopted this word as the name of a subatomic particle. That's where cork comes That's from. That's where cork comes mm-hmm. from. An invented word by James Joyce. Top bottom Top bottom charm and strange, right? Those are the different that, kinds of cork? I think that's right. First, I was worried. I didn't know where you were going with <laughs> With top, bottom, and strange. Top, bottom, and strange. Need some strange. <laughs> anyway. What? Okay. So I just wanted to slide, it, slide in those things for you. The hatbacks, legomenon, and the nonce word. Oh, yeah. It's top, bottom, up, down, charm, and strange. Yes. Okay. So, so there's true. six, Bonus not four. Ones. Yeah. yeah. Oh, different kinds of quirks. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's cool. All right. So I just looked it in there because legomenon. Yeah, because it has the word Lego, Lego in it. Yep. I get it. Great. So that was the history of Lego and a little bit of linguistics for you. That's awesome. All right. My quiz is called Everything is Awesome. It's a quiz on Tegan's, Sarah's, and Lonely Islands. Oh, that's so good. Question one. This Canadian singer and songwriter will remember back when she built not a mystery, but a successful all-female musical festival in 1997. What's the name of this woman with the angelic voice, which compels people to open up their wallets to charity? Question two. In the middle of the Nares Strait near Greenland is a big, barren slab of rock known as Hans Island. Since the early 1930s, two countries have disagreed about the territorial status of the island, and every so often, someone will show up there to mark their territory by leaving a bottle of either schnapps or whiskey for visitors. Name either of the two countries who each lay claim to Hans Island. Question three. What's old is new again. In April 2018, Chrissy Teigen tweeted about how she missed playing what early 2000s online virtual world where you could care and feed your fantastical creatures. Question four. Macquarie Island, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, lies in the Southwest Pacific Ocean. While typically only 20 to 40 humans reside there, the island has been identified as an important bird area supporting about three and a half million breeding seabirds. Royal penguins are endemic breeders to Macquarie Island. What is the seven-letter R word for a special nesting area where penguins mate, nest, and raise their chicks? The term is also used to describe a colony of breeding animals, generally birds. Question five. 
This American jazz singer was nicknamed both sassy for her attitude and the divine one for her incredible voice. Winning four Grammys and countless other awards, she collaborated with some of the world's greatest musicians up until her death in 1990. Name that singer with a spectacular vocal range. Question six. In the Svalbard archipelago of Norway is a massive secure vault meant to provide a safety net against accidental loss of diversity in the event of a major global catastrophe. What exactly are they storing at this secure facility on the island of Spitsbergen? Question seven. Tegan Javanka, an Australian airline stewardess and sometimes companion, is a fictional character played by Janet Fielding on what long-running British science fiction television series? Question eight. Niue, spelled N-I-U-E, a self-governing island nation, is located about 1,500 miles northeast of New Zealand, with which it is diplomatically associated. This tropical paradise has around 1,300 inhabitants, but in 2001, Niue made global headlines by embossing character species from what video game franchise onto five of its legal tender coins? Numismatists around the world try to catch, I mean, collect them all. Question 9. Which child actress and future slayer appeared in a television commercial for Burger King, in which her character criticized McDonald's and claimed to eat only at BK? This 1982 ad subsequently resulted in a lawsuit by McDonald's naming her and allegedly banning her from eating at the chain. And finally, question 10. A seven-day boat journey from Cape Town, Tristan da Cunha is the most remote inhabited island in the world. Though first discovered by a Portuguese sailor in 1506, this island, along with its neighbors St. Helena and Ascension Island, is actually an overseas territory under the jurisdiction and sovereignty of what great nation? I'll give you about a minute to think, and we'll be back with your answers. Are you making that face because I asked a bunch of geography questions? That and I've been stuck on question one since you read it. Because <laughs> I cannot think of her last name. And it's oh, making me no. crazy. It's <laughs> making actually me didn't hear crazy. anything else I said. Okay, I'll read it again. Okay. And maybe it'll just come to you. Maybe it'll just like pop it in my head. Like a bolt of lightning. Yeah, I'm going to let just let it go. I'm just okay. Gonna, just let it go. Okay, go ahead. Right. Just read it. Question I don't care. One. I don't even care. This Canadian singer and songwriter will remember back when she built not a mystery, but a successful all-female music festival in 1997. What's the name of this woman with the angelic voice compelling people to open up their wallets to charity? That's Sarah. Uh-huh. She started Lilith Fair. In the yes, I can hear her singing voice in my head. Sarah. All I can think of is Borellis, and that's not her. <laughs> Sarah... Sarah 
I will remember. I know the songs. <laughs> I know the songs. I just can't. I can see your face in my head. I can see you're petting a dog. Oh, like a one-eyed dog. Like a one-eyed dog. I can I can see her face and hear her Canadian voice. They're screaming at you. The listeners are oh screaming my God, at you right screaming now. So much, Sarah. M- Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. I don't deserve to be on this podcast. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be here. I can't remember Sarah McLaughlin. That's why we're a trivia team. That's why we're a team. We help each other. Yeah, and you're dragging and our- my dead weight from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's terrible, Sarah McLaughlin. I would like to apologize to the entire country of Canada and Sarah McLaughlin personally. And all of the members, past and present, of Lilith Fair. I am so sorry. Do you know that it was only around for three years? Oh, it was only three years? Yeah, 97 to 99. And then they tried to revive it in like 2010 and it did not go Yeah, it did not work. But I I guess I misremembered it as being like a decade long. Yeah, I thought it was like all Mm -hmm. of the 90s and then they killed it in the early 2000s. I thought it was like around for a dozen years years. more. Huh. Yeah, but very successful. Oh, Launched for a lot sure. Of careers off there. Yeah, for sure. Um, some bonus Sarah McLaughlin trivia. Thanks. In 2011, she opened the Sarah McLaughlin School of Music in Vancouver, a oh. free music school for at-risk youth. Um, the School of Music provides group and private lessons to hundreds of young people every year, and it's their goal that through music education, students will develop the love of the arts and have greater self-esteem. That's lovely. She seems like a kind warm exactly person and you will remember her and name. i will remember her name question two in the middle of the nearest strait near greenland is a big barren slab of rock known as hans island since the early 1930s two countries have disagreed about the territorial status of the island and every so often someone will show up there to mark their territory by leaving a bottle of either schnapps or whiskey for visitors name either of the two countries who each lay claim to hans island um i'm gonna say the netherlands no? No. I'll give you another chance. Oh, poop. It's it's near Greenland. It's near Greenland. It's by Baffin Bay. <laughs> Is it Iceland? No, it's not Iceland. How about whisk? Does whiskey help? Whiskey and schnapps? Those are the whiskey or schnapps? So Scotland? Oh, Christ. You know what? Just edit all of this out. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Um, Canada okay. and Denmark. So Denmark has control oh of Greenland. God. I was so close. And it's, you know, they, Greenland almost touches yeah, no, the I, top, tippy top of Canada. Tippy top of Baffin Canada. Bay. Um, so due to international law, all countries have the right to claim territory within 12 miles of their shore. And, wow. But Hans Island has no natural resources, but in the friendliest fight ever, Canadian and Danish militaries regularly leave a bottle of Danish schnapps or Canadian whiskey and their flag atop Hans Island for the other country to find. Okay, two things. One, uh-huh. I didn't know schnapps were Danish. I think they're like German, oh, I see. German area, okay, that like sense. that. Mm-hmm. And secondly, again, I would like to apologize to the entire country of Canada and Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> I should have said Sarah McLaughlin sometimes shows up to <laughs> sing to drink a bottle at of Pines Island. Yeah. All right, just mm-hmm. just keep. Here we go. Here we go. Question three. Here we go. Here we go. What's old is new again. In April 2018, Chrissy Teigen tweeted about how she missed playing what early 2000s online virtual world where you could care and feed your fantastical creatures. Is that Tamagotchi? Um, no. So it's 
It's kind of like Tamagotchi, but online. Oh, shit. Uh, I don't know. Neopets. Oh, Neopets. I Did you ever worked. have Neopets? I had um, I had the egg. I think it was a Nano Pet. Oh, right? okay. Yeah. So Neopets is a, was like an online web Oh, no, game, I never did that. And you, no. got, you selected a character, and it okay. was like a little cartoon animal. Okay. And um, as you wandered around Neopia, which is Neopia, the, which is... <laughs> the land that it's in you could find food sure um, you might get a fairy which would give your creature what? magical powers and you could find a paintbrush that would change the color of it that sounds fun. i had a neopets account i don't know if you could tell by my excitement here but anyway <laughs> like earlier this year chrissy teigen just tweeted out like i miss neopets and then like five minutes oh, later yeah, it was people like just went well crazy. i'm super pregnant so i'm just gonna so maybe I should just reactivate my Neopets account. And then like five minutes later, she tweeted again, like, oh, it's just like it always was. <laughs> I remember this. I remember the fairies. I remember that. Like she used to be a comment board moderator. Oh, she wow. like won some contests with them. Um, she's great. I really like Chrissy yeah, Teigen. She's, very she's funny. a funny, self-deprecating, fun lady. Mm-hmm. I would like to be friends with her and have her cook for me. Yes. I'm definitely buying her cookbook. If no one gets yeah. it on my registry, hint, hint. <laughs> which is the cheapest thing on the registry, just FYI. Anyway, <laughs> continue. <laughs> Question four. Macquarie Island, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, lies in the Southwest Pacific Ocean. Though typically only 40 humans uh, reside there, the island has been identified as an important bird area, supporting about three and a half million breeding seabirds. Royal penguins are endemic breeders to Macquarie Island. What is the seven-letter R word for a special nesting area where penguins mate, nest, and raise their chicks? The term is also used to describe a colony of breeding animals, generally birds. Okay, I'm going to throw this out there. Uh-huh. Is it a rookery? It is a rookery. Yes! Okay, finally. Great Success. job. Yep. Question five. I think this one is the hardest one. If you don't, if you don't know it, you don't know it. Okay. Question five. This American jazz singer was nicknamed both Sassy for her attitude and the Divine One for her incredible voice. Winning four Grammys and countless other awards, she collaborated with some of the world's greatest musicians up until her death in 1990. Name that singer with the spectacular vocal range. Okay. Um, uh, well, I mean, there's Billie Holiday, uh-huh. but she didn't die in 1990, I don't think. She died a lot earlier. And then there was, um, Etta James. Mm-hmm. She died later. What's the theme of this? Uh, Sarah. Uh, my dad's yelling at me right uh-huh. now. I don't Her know. Her last name begins with the letter V, if that helps. I don't know. It's Sarah Vaughn. Sarah Vaughn that she's a very she's actually that, a pretty important jazz yeah singer. that mm-hmm. tingles something in the back of my yeah. head I feel like so just link it there yeah. sassy the divine one um jazz singer Mel Torme said that she had the single best vocal instrument of any singer working in the popular field and her ability was envied by Frank Sinatra who said sassy is so good now that when I listen to her I want to cut my wrists with a dull razor wow <laughs> man typical Italian subtlety <laughs> And restraint. Well, like you, like, oh, I hate Oh, she's so great. I want to kill myself. Oh, my God. You're so right. Oh, my God. I feel so seen. Oh, you cut to the heart of me. Julia. That's you so and Frank true. Sinatra have something else in common. Oh, no. You know what? It's Italians, especially American Italians. Mm-hmm. Or You know what? No. I'm going to just blanket statement. Italians are just violent in all of their emotions, even if they're positive. <laughs> Like, oh, that was such a beautiful song. It's not like, oh, what a beautiful song. It's yeah. like, oh, that song was so good. It makes uh, me want to die. Like, it's. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. 
you Sarah know, Vaughn. Yeah. Hug Sassy and kiss Sarah the Vaughn. Italians in your life, friends. Anyway, <laughs> Sarah Vaughn. I do, yes. I do recall this. I feel like my dad used to listen to a lot of jazz, NPR jazz, mm-hmm. as, I, as a young kid. And I think I remember Sarah Vaughn being in the sprinkling the rotation. of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, continue. Sorry. Question six. In the Svalbard archipelago of Norway is a massive secure vault meant to provide a safety net against accidental loss of diversity in the event of a major global catastrophe. What exactly are they storing at the secure facility on the island of Spitsbergen? Uh, those are seeds. It is seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, conservationist Carrie Fowler, in association with the Consultative Group on International Agricultural Research, and don't make me say that again, uh, <laughs> started the vault to pre- preserve a wide variety of plant seeds that are duplicate samples or spare copies of seeds held in gene banks worldwide. The seed vault is an attempt to ensure against the loss of seeds and other gene banks during large-scale regional or global crises, and it's managed under terms spelled out in a tripartite agreement. Uh, funding comes from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and from various governments. Um, by 2013, approximately one third of the genera diversity stored in gene banks globally was represented at the seed vault. Wow. And in 2017, it stored more than 930,000 samples of seeds, which represent 13,000 years of agricultural history. Oh my God. Very cool. It's so cool. Have you ever seen a picture of the outside of it? Yeah. It's like a monolith. It looks like something out of a James Bond film. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. So basically, if the zombie apocalypse happens, we just got to head toward Norway. Head toward Norway. You heard it here. Question seven. Uh, Tegan Javanka, an Australian airline stewardess and sometimes companion, is a fictional character played by Janet Fielding on what long-running British science fiction television series? Um, That would be... Um, Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Um, she was the companion of the fourth and fifth doctors, and she was a regular in the program from ninety from nineteen eighty one to nineteen eighty four. And she appeared in nineteen stories, but she apparently was a popular companion to the doctor. Great. Question eight. Nui, N-I-U-E, a self-governing island nation, is located about 1,500 miles northeast of New Zealand, with which it is diplomatically associated. This tropical paradise has around 1,300 inhabitants, but in 2001, Nui made global headlines by embossing character species from what video game franchise onto five of its legal tender coins. Numismatists around the world try to catch, I mean, collect them all. Those are Pokemans. Pokemon. Um, each coin was worth about um, like $1 New Zealand, and it featured the new egg coat of arms on one side, while the reverse had either a Pikachu, Bulbasaur, Charmander, <laughs> Squirtle, or Meowth on it. Um, new egg was the first ever country in the world to offer free Wi-Fi to its entire population <gasps> in 2003. Oh, so nice. that's another, another reason to head to this tropical paradise with their fun money and their <laughs> free Wi-Fi. Oh, man, it's like a teenager's dream. <laughs> Question nine. Which child actress and future slayer appeared in a television commercial for Burger King in which her character criticized McDonald's and claimed to eat only at BK? This 1982 ad subsequently resulted in a lawsuit by McDonald's naming her and allegedly banning her from eating at the chain. (laughs) I can't think of her name either. Describe her to me. Sarah, she's blonde. She's got a baby face. She has a baby voice. She is a favorite of Joss Whedon. She's married to Freddie Prince Jr. She, <laughs> I can see her face. I can hear her voice. She has three names. Sarah, blankety blank. <laughs> Why can't I think of anybody's name tonight? I haven't even had any wine yet. It's the stress about your wedding. I know. It's- my brain, a killing brain cells. Sarah, Jessica. Nope. Sarah, you want to? Mm-hmm. Michelle Geller. Yes. yes. Sarah Michelle Geller. 
Okay. So she recalled in a 2004 interview, quote, I wasn't allowed to eat there. It was tough because when you're a little kid, McDonald's is where all your friends have their birthday parties. So I missed out on a lot of apple pies. But a 2015 article said that she wasn't specifically banned from eating at McDonald's, but that instead, like she and her family were worried about being recognized as the face of Burger King in the 80s. sure. So she wasn't really like she wouldn't really be seen there. Yeah. So she wasn't actually officially legally banned from eating at McDonald's. <laughs> because what a cruel thing for them to do she to was a so little, little girl. too. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And finally, question 10. A seven-day boat journey from Cape Town. Tristan de Cunha is the most remote inhabited island in the world. Though first discovered by a Portuguese sailor in 1506, this island, along with its neighbors, St. Helena and Ascension Island, are actually an overseas territory under the jurisdiction and sovereignty of what great nation? Uh, great Britain. Yes. Okay, great. United yes. Kingdom. Specifically, it's part of the UK's overseas territory of St. Helena, Ascension Island, and Tristan de Cunha. The island's population is just 275, and no new residents are allowed to settle on the island. Due to the small population, marriages between relatives... Oh, for example, second cousins has no. inevitably occurred, resulting in some minor health issues, including oh. asthma and glaucoma, oh. which I didn't know were like side effects of inbreeding. But oh, sure. God, blindness and shortness of breath. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> oh, the my God. The islanders are comprised of 80 families with just seven surnames. They are oh, Glass, no. Green, Hagen, Lavarello, Rapetto, Rogers, and Swain. So, Ew. hey. Every citizen who's able to work is a farmer by trade. All land is communally owned and various measures are in place to prevent better off families from gaining excess wealth. The main source of income is the island's lobster factory. Um, And most people have more than one job and many work for the local government there. But if you like, if your appendix ruptures, it's a seven day boat ride to the the nearest like real hospital in South Africa. It sounds like a cult. It sounds like an island cult of yeah. like seven families. It's kind of, I think it's interesting that the government won't let more people move yeah. there. So, which is just like, like okay. they're just going to let what? them keep inbreeding until they die off? I don't know. I guess so. That sounds like a terrible government experiment kind of thing. Well, Ew. Ooh, we're blowing the lid off of it. <laughs> Misinformation. You heard it here. Ground zero. The queen doesn't care about <laughs> The queen does not care, care about, about the residents of Tristan de Cunha. Yep. So, yeah. There that you was go, great. Lauren. I did extremely poorly, and I apologize to our listeners. And again, to, ca- to many all apologies. of Canada, which to- I mean, again, if they wanted to hire us for the Canadian Tourism Board, oh, I think no. that like our chances are. I mean, they would probably little- hire you, but def not me. Ugh. I'd have to do a personal. We're, but we're like we're a we're a pair. Yeah, we come come as a duo. Yeah. So mm-hmm. sorry, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> if you want Julia? You get LT too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, man. Uh, well, Canadian Tourism Board, if you want to contact us, our email is <laughs> misinfopod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at misinfopod. Um, our Facebook page is misinformation, colon, a trivia podcast. And our website is www.misinfopod.com. Uh, if you want to hear more of us, you're listening to us right now. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can catch us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or use our RSS feed to, uh, I don't know, to stream to onto whatever. any yeah. podcast app that mm-hmm. you prefer. You can also stream us from our aforementioned website. Yeah. 
Um, and on our Twitter page and our Facebook page, we have a little link to our um, PayPal tip jar um, in case you want to throw us a few bucks. That'll help us with equipment upgrades so that I stop picking up my microphone while I'm actually talking in my <laughs> podcast. Um, so yeah, it um, would be much appreciated. And we have a whole page dedicated to our Gold Star listeners who have so far um, donated money to us. We are super appreciative. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. And uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. Yeah, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.